everybody, and thanks so much for joining me on this 17th episode of the Positive Talk podcast. I'm typically joined by my good friend and clinical therapist, Julie Homrich, but we seem to be alternating weeks in which we're under the weather a bit. So today, I want us to talk about quietude. I mean, here we are just weeks ahead of Christmas, and the last thing that any of us have in our life is a place, a time in which we are regularly discovering quietude. As a matter of fact, I think it's one of those things that most of us can't even define. I had to look it up to try to figure out how would I even define quietude. And I discovered in multiple dictionaries that it is a state of stillness, calmness, and quiet in a person or a place. Now, I want to go back and make sure that you heard that. A state of stillness, that is definitely not something we're good at. Calmness, which is absolutely unheard of in today's time. And quiet in a person or place. We are just naturally not good at this quietude. Now, I I know that's an odd topic to talk about here in the perpetual state of busyness in this season, but... You know, here at Positive Talk Podcast, one of the things that Julie and I try to do is we try to put two things together, faith and psychology. And when we try to merge those two into a conversation, it becomes a positive conversation. I mean, one of the things about quietude is that it's most definitely biblical. And then on the psychological side, it has been proven scientifically that it's necessary for us to be able to manage the anxiety that we seem to riddle ourselves with constantly in our emotionally high state of anxiety, especially during the Christmas season. But before I go, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever studied to be quiet. I mean, you've studied for tests, you've studied for exams, you've studied to speak, you've studied on how to parent, but have you ever studied on how to be quiet? Well, if you're like me, the answer is, well, no, Chuck, of course I haven't studied to be quiet. It's not something that's available to me. I'm a busy mom. I'm a busy dad. I'm a, I'm a busy person. I'm a professional. I'm a parent. I'm, I'm, I'm a child. I'm a leader. I, I mean, we all have a reason that we don't find quietude. But the Bible says this, that, that it should be our ambition to live a quiet life, learning how to mind our own business and work with our own hands. I love this. I mean, personally, this verse has helped me in so many ways and so many times when I've needed it most. Times when I could have said or done things that wouldn't have pleased God and certainly no one else in and around me. In other words, studying to be quiet means to strive to live a quiet life in your soul. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden you have to be a quiet person who doesn't say anything, especially if you're an extrovert or an outgoing person. And it doesn't mean that you have to be quieter if you're an introvert or already a naturally quiet person. Instead, it means choosing to be quiet in your spirit and word and action when needed. It's being humble when practicing self-control on the inside so that quality and godlike character can be displayed in your actions and reactions on the outside. I heard the following quote from 
somebody years ago, and I can't place where it came from, but I found it in preparing for this week's podcast, and I wanted to share it with you. Listen to this powerful quote, let quietude wield its influence upon you. Let the fact that you are alone assert itself. Give your soul time to get released from the many outward things and give God time to pray to play the prelude to prayer for the benefit of your distracted soul. Listen, friend, life is constantly trying to provoke us or freak us out, to respond with overflowing anger, frustration, panic, anxiety, or some combination thereof. Back in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel had their first king and a fellow by the name of Saul. It really got interesting because there was a prophet who anointed him and then turned on him, and a young warrior by the name of David gained enough fame to threaten to displace Saul's son as the heir of the nation. Everything bubbled over at a dinner one night when Saul and his son got into an argument, and Saul threw his spear, literally threw a spear, and almost killed his own son. There's a few lessons we can learn about this, and yes, it does connect to quietude. One thing's for sure. Bad things happen when we let stress and anxiety get the best of us. Now, I've, I've never responded well when I didn't stop and think in quietude before responding. When I act in my emotion, not in my quietude, bad things happen. You know what else I've learned? That when you're all wrought up inside with anxiety, anger, or despair, it feels rotten. I mean, when you start thinking about what analogy you would use to describe what it feels like, that when you're just kind of just wallowing in anxiety, anger, and despair, I mean, it just feels like crap. You know, it's just nobody wants that. One of my favorite authors is a uh, brilliant person by the name of Brene Brown. I mean, she's just one of my favorite people to listen to, watch, or read. Uh, She tells a story about how there was a time in her life when anxiety became crippling. She was trying to juggle being a mom, a wife, a professor, a successful author, and a speaker. And she said, whenever I got really anxious and stressed out, I would actually get lightheaded and the room would start to spin. A couple of times, I literally fell over. The dizziness was new. The anxiety was not. In many ways, anxiety had become a constant in my life. Does that sound familiar to anybody listening in to the Positive Talk podcast today? Meanwhile, in her research, she noticed that there was something fascinating that was beginning to bubble up and became overwhelming in her life. She noticed that wholehearted people process stress very differently. Isn't that a great description of somebody that they are wholehearted, meaning that they can be fully present and healthy emotionally and mentally, spiritually, when they're in the thick of whatever's going on? And then in her research, she discovered that they were committed to a way of living where anxiety was a reality, but not a lifestyle. Oh my, now that is a quote. They were committed to a way of living where anxiety was reality, but not a lifestyle. And they did this by cultivating calm and quietude. Oh my stars. Listen, Brene Brown, one of the most brilliant people on the planet, says that we we have to realize that we don't get to choose what happens to us, but we do get to choose how we respond. And she said, I finally learned the value of bringing quiet 
to difficult situations. I try to be slow to respond and quick to think. By the way, the Bible says the same thing in, in the book of James chapter 1, let everyone be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. Interesting that slow to speak, slow to anger involves the ability to hush and listen. I mean, seriously, when provoked to anger or despair, this is something that I'm learning. I certainly haven't figured it out completely. Count to 10 before responding. While you're counting, take a deep breath. Say to yourself, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then, in the moment later, have a calm, honest conversation. I mean, I know that sounds foolish, and I know it seems silly, but friend, listen, we... It's not enough to have a good plan to apply in the heat of the moment. We also need to prepare in advance. And I've learned that, that calm is how I ideally respond in the heat of the moment, but quietude is how I prepare beforehand. I mean, I, I wish I could describe to you how much I have attempted to resist people that describe quietude as an integral part of their wholehearted life and lifestyle. From meditation and prayer to regular periods of quietude and reflection, found in the aloneness of quietude and solitude, I hear and read more and more about people who are wholehearted and fully healthy mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, that they speak about the necessity of quieting their mind, their soul, and their body so that they can detox from anxiety and the state of being overwhelmed. Or as the Bible says, stopping to be still to recognize that he is God and we are not. In the quiet, uncomfortable questions that often arise in my quietude, things like, is my life truly meaningful? Am I really happy? What am I running from? These kind of things dwell up within me and sometimes allow me to confront some of these demons and some of these great challenging introspections that quietude offers. Oftentimes we want to run from those, but when that happens, we become avoidance freaks. Avoidance kicks in and we rush to distract ourselves with busyness and noise. But the first step in being to get through all those insecurities or fears is to dare to face them in quietude. The question I offer you today is, do you have a regular rhythm of stillness and quietude in your life? And if not, you might start with this question. What kind of rhythm would I like to establish in my life that allows quietude and solitude? Because one of the things that I know that I've learned in my talks and my lessons from my partner, Julie Homrich, is that from a psychological perspective, we have to understand the incredibly important role of quietude in overall mental and emotional health. We look to a core piece of our nervous system called the vagus nerve. And this nerve runs from the base of your brain down the spinal cord and reaches out to touch so many of your organs along the way. In fact, that word V-A-G-U-S actually can be translated as wandering, meaning it has a very far and significant reach within your body. And this nerve affects digestion, heart rate, breathing, and nervous system responses like anxiety and depression. 
This vagus nerve actually has a certain level of tone to it. Some people's are much stronger than others. Its strength is dependent on your past experiences and how it's been activated in the past like a muscle does. But this nerve can also be actively strengthened intentionally, leading to better digestion, cardiovascular health, and the ability to calm down more easily when angered or anxious. Doesn't that sound like something we need to work on? I know in my life, I need better digestion, better cardiovascular health, and I desperately need the ability to learn how to calm down more easily and simply when angered or riddled with anxiety. What's one of the the most common ways that you can strengthen this vagus nerve so that you can indeed calm down more easily when angered or anxious? Are you ready? Quietude and solitude. Now, if you'll notice, I I haven't mentioned how much time you need. I, I look at quietude and solitude much like James Clear writes about in Creating Many Habits, that quietude is something so awkward that most of us completely freak out with 60 seconds of quietude. But I would start with one minute of quietude and see what your tolerance level is. Certain types of quiet and intentional breathing exercises, connecting with nature and pausing to to stimulate pressure points connected to the nerve, are all ways to strengthen this powerhouse nerve. It doesn't just help you, but studies have shown that this nerve gets activated during moments of compassion and empathy, and strengthening in it deepens your ability to love others. Listen, the world's in desperate need for us to know how to love others. And Jesus made a point of saying that nothing matters unless we love God with all our heart, mind, and soul and love others as we do ourselves. So there's something within this about strengthening our ability to love both ourselves and others that is both psychologically strong, scientifically proven, and biblically accurate. Truly, it's been noted that complimenting someone is another way to strengthen that tone, that vagal tone. That's just fascinating to me, that in order to better connect with others, we first take the time to truly connect with ourselves and our Creator in quietude and solitude, identifying what noise in our life is productive versus simply background noise can help us operate from a place of rootedness, centeredness, and peace. And that's what we're after, right? A greater degree of peace in our life. And in a world where it's become even more easy to waste our time that that we have here, well, how wonderful might it be if we were to invest just a minute or two to reflect, to stop, to get quiet and get still? I don't know about you, but I have had that sense of being overwhelmed and burnt out and anxious way too often in my life. And I've learned to embrace the importance and the value of getting still and getting quiet. And you say, well, Chuck, I mean, I really could use some help on exactly how would you suggest that we take time to get still and quiet. So I want to offer you four thoughts. Number one, Pick a time that you can be consistent with. Don't become a person that says, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. every morning when you're not a morning person. That's just not what we're after. What we're attempting to do is to say, but there is a time each day when I can carve out 
60 seconds and be perfectly still, perfectly quiet with nothing else in my life. I found this to be almost brutal for 60 minutes to let my, not let my mind just wander. What I've learned, though, now is that I can take about 12 minutes a day and be completely still, completely quiet. Number one, find a place and a time that you can be consistent with and be realistic about how much time. Number two, then don't beat yourself up if you haven't gotten the rhythm down. I mean, literally just create a miniature habit in your life that allows you to take 60 seconds each day for a month and then just start small, dream big. Number three, don't fall into the temptation to fill that space with noise, background noise, music, or some other podcast that's trying to walk you through meditation. Quietude and meditation can happen like hand in glove, but quietude needs to happen in and of itself. And finally, what I would say to you is be sure that you prepare yourself for quietude. When you're on the way to that chair that you sit in or outdoors where you sit or the boat that you sit in or the kayak that you row in, whatever that quietude is, also allow yourself room to be still, not to be busy with holding something, but literally just prepare yourself on the way to where that is to know that if it's 60 seconds, ask God, would you allow me to have quietude in these 60 seconds so that I could be more in tune with you? with who you want me to be, and with those you place around me. My friend, it's always a pleasure to speak with you with a positive word of a positive talk podcast, especially about this topic that has literally changed my life for the better, which is finding a place of quietude in my life every day that allows me to get recentered, refocused on exactly all that God has for me at that moment and for that day. God bless you, friends. Thanks so much for joining me on the Positive Talk podcast. You can catch up on all of our previous episodes at thepositivetalkpodcast.com. That's positivetalkpodcast.com. It's available on all kinds of platforms, including Apple and Spotify and Google, but you can find it there on our website. Thanks. Be sure to share this with other folks, because I bet there are folks that when you listen to this or you're thinking about, wow, I bet they could benefit from it. I really trust you have the greatest week ever and discover the power of quietude. Bye now.